hello and welcome to our show tonight. We're really excited to have Dr. Trill, who is mummy to June and Rose and founder and CEO of Free to Feed. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Trill. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, we're huge fans, aren't we, Kate? Ah, oh, Trill, Trill. I feel like um, you were one of the very first people that I connected with on Instagram. I don't even know if you remember, like, four or five years ago, um, there was quite a few um, to and fro of messages and you wrote um, your story for my blog post way back then. Yes, yes, I do remember. <laughs> and what a journey it has been um, over the last handful of years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I absolutely just love following everything that you're doing. Obviously, such admiration for what you're doing for the allergy community. Um, it's quite incredible, really, where you're hoping to go with it and quite groundbreaking in what you're um, aiming towards, really, with the um, testing strips. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's been um, a, a whirlwind, I will say, mm. um, as a scientist trying to learn how to be a CEO and founder of a startup company, um, which was definitely not the goal to start with. <laughs> um, I have learned a lot. It's been um, a lot of trial and error, quite, quite like a lot of our uh, food allergy journeys, quite frankly. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. And so I'm, I'm so excited to be at this point now where we're very close to having all of the, the research and data that we need finally to uh, launch the first test strip to detect allergens in human breast milk. And um, I am just over the moon to finally get to the point where we can say, okay, we're going to give the power and the data to families and to parents and really give them a better tool to navigate this when they're dealing with it through um, feeding and their breastfeeding journey amazing can we start by asking you about your journey and and what got you here really if that's okay yeah yeah absolutely so a little bit of a, an origin story if you will um I like to joke at that I'm not entirely sure if this is a a hero or a villain origin story so I'll let the <laughs> listeners kind of decide on the other side um which which they think it is um but my journey's mostly started when I was in my last year of graduate school. So I have a PhD in cellular molecular biology, and I was studying proteins specifically for ovarian cancer treatments. And so I decided with my husband in my last year of grad school to have a baby to start our family, uh, which was a fun time to have a child when you're writing a dissertation and trying wow. to finish grad school. <laughs> and our oldest that. daughter, June, as you mentioned, um, first presented with what we hear often um, classified as quote unquote colic. And I like yeah. to I like to put that in air quotes because um, colic simply means that the baby is in pain and trying to yeah. communicate that to you. Yeah. Um, and so I took her in and said, okay, something's really wrong. She, she was very little. Um, and I said, you know, something's wrong and I don't know what it is. And I was really given that like first time mom dismissal, mm -hmm. you know, babies cry, she has colic and sent home. And we dealt with that for a few weeks of her just being completely inconsolable. And eventually at only a few weeks old, we woke up to her completely covered in eczema from head to toe with several bloody diapers, one right after another. And as new parents, you can imagine that was absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And so I took her back and said, okay, something's really wrong. I broke her. Can you please help me? Yeah. And they again really dismissed me and said, you know, um, maybe, maybe consider removing cow's milk protein from your diet. 
And I was shocked. Even as a protein expert, I had never heard mm. that something that I ate could transfer to my breast in a way that could elicit an allergic response in my in my daughter that I was yeah. breastfeeding. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's shocking, but uh, that's fine. I went home and um, even though I really love cheese, I removed cow's <laughs> milk protein entirely from my diet and she spiraled. She got worse really quickly. And eventually, um, after being dismissed by more doctors, eventually all that was coming out of her little body was blood. And her skin was so covered in eczema that it was starting to weep and get infected. Um, and finally, a doctor took, I think, pity on my eye bags at that point <laughs> and the shell of a human that I was. And she admitted us to the hospital. And I remember being in the hospital and um, her... June being hungry. And so you do what you do, you whip out a boob and you yeah. go to feed your baby. Um, and a medical provider walked in when I was feeding her and said, Oh my God, I can't believe you would do that. You're poisoning your baby. And that was really shocking and obviously mm. terrifying. Yeah. Um, we went on a 24 hour um, starvation diet with yeah. her, meaning they didn't feed her anything for 24 hours, which is fun when you're the food. Yeah, and on the other baby. side of it, they said, okay, yep, she has food allergies. We can't tell you what she's allergic to because of her age and what type of reaction she's having. Yeah. And so here's your hypoallergenic formula. And unfortunately, quite frankly, as a grad student, when I found out how much the hypoallergenic formula cost, I was really shell-shocked because I, quite frankly, I couldn't afford it. Yeah. And we didn't qualify for any kind of assistance. And $50 a can every couple of days landed me from feeling like I was feeding my baby that something that hurt her to yeah. not being able to afford to feed her at all. I and so I started asking the question, I really wanted to keep breastfeeding. So I started asking the question of like, okay, well, if you can make a hypoallergenic formula, can I make hypoallergenic breast milk yeah. technically? And the answer was a hesitant, uh, maybe, uh, we're not really sure. Here's a laundry list of foods she could be reacted to. Try removing all of these from your diet. And then wow. I was just shimmied out the door. Um, I was told to <clears throat> do that for two weeks and allow my breast milk to quote unquote clear of the proteins that I was consuming. And I would have to do the formula for two weeks while it cleared, pump like a mad woman and try to get back to breastfeeding. And in case anybody's listening and they decide to jump off at this point, I want to put, put a quick pin in the fact that it does not take uh, two weeks or any number of weeks um, for proteins to clear your breast. Mm -hmm. And so just in case somebody hears that and then drops yeah. off, but it's not actually factual. A kind of thrown around like six weeks is often thrown around two months, yeah. like no consistency in kind of what that number looks like or what you should be. I don't know. Yep. It's, it's all over the place. And I'm super happy to, to nerd out with you on like the actual specifics on transfer. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> so I, I certainly like followed the same, you know, misinformation, I went on this very strict elimination diet. I did it for an entire year because I was afraid that if I brought something back because I was successful for her, yeah. not successful, but successful for her. And I was afraid that if I brought anything back, it would quote unquote poison her yeah. as I've been told mm. for weeks. And so I just did that for an entire year, not knowing any better. And it had a lot of impact on my mental health and my physical health, quite frankly. Um, and I really did, I'm a, I'm an army veteran. So I really did like the army mom thing. I just like put my head down and got it done as many of us do. 
Um, and on the other side of it, a few years later, when we decided to have another little and she started presenting with the same problems, that's when Free to Feed came about because um, she started presenting with the same issues. And I kind of popped my head out of the sand this time around and was like, okay, where's where's the resources and the research? There's got to be, you know, all these people to help me this time around. And I all I found were other families, um, which was really disheartening. And I was like, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to be able to manage doing this all over again by myself. And I started free to feed only a few weeks postpartum with Rose. And at the same time, in all of the irony in the world, I was also working for a dairy processing facility. (laughs) (laughs) And so I learned while just barely postpartum uh, back to work that the cow's milk industry had a simple little test strip that would allow us to detect other allergens in cow's milk in the facility. And so that was kind of my, my aha moment, if you will. Mm. Um, allergen-free breastfeeding again, um, on this crazy elimination diet, testing cow's milk for things like soy and egg. And I was like, man, why don't we do this for women? How is yeah. it that we do this for cows and we're not doing this for women? Mm. And so I ran into a closet and squirted some breast milk on the thing, you know, as, as one does. <laughs> and it, it, it didn't work. And uh, that was the the start of this crazy journey of, okay, why, why don't we do this for women? And why doesn't this thing work? And, you know, the answer to the first question is because men don't lactate, quite frankly. Um, and the answer to the second question is because nobody had cared until this point to really determine what does a peanut look like when it enters the breast. So it doesn't look like a peanut anymore. It's really broken down and yeah. no one had determined exactly what that structure was so we could detect it. And so that's what I've spent the last almost four years, which blows my mind, almost four years looking at so that we could detect it. You're incredible. (laughs) I think think the problem is like the lack of consistency with medical professionals, because for me, when I had Teddy and I was going, turning up at the hospital at A&E, at the GPs, and I was told something different every time, many times told that nothing that I ate could ever transfer into my breast milk and that my breast milk was not the problem. Um, and just conflicting information from kind of every avenue. Um, and I think that's really hard, especially as a first time mum, when you're really looking for that advice of how to continue, especially if breastfeeding is something that you do want to continue with. Um, it can feel like a huge barrier when you don't really know what to do for the best with regard to what you should be eating or not. Yeah, I totally agree. And unfortunately that like, misinformation is global um, and the parents get everything from exactly what you experience where some individuals and providers will say you don't transfer at all Mm -hmm. so there's nothing that you eat that can cause issues um, and all the way to something that you eat is going to transfer and cause issues for eight weeks as I've heard up to and everything in between um, which is so incredibly frustrating and um, equally frustrating is the fact that the actual answer to the question I don't hear that shared almost anywhere um, unless they're you know referring to free to feed Um, and so I totally agree and the downside then is a whole lot of gaslighting where families are saying like if I eat this this causes a problem and being told like, no, that's not possible. Um, and all the other kind of really disheartening parts of your journey. And so the actual science um, behind transferability is that once you've consumed a protein, like a peanut, for example, 
all foods that you consume, all of them, everything from the allergens like peanuts and cow's milk to things that are are less allergenic as we would consider them, such as like watermelon, for example, Mm -hmm. all food can transfer to your breast. None are like special and transfer while others don't. I hear that often um, providers saying that only cow's milk can transfer, only soy can transfer, but there's nothing special about those two that makes them transfer and the others not. All food that you put into your mouth can transfer to your breast. And the probability wise then is just what's the probability of that child being reactive to cow's milk versus watermelon. Mm -hmm. Um, And so once you consume something like peanut, it's going to travel through your gastrointestinal system and then be largely broken down into smaller pieces or smaller fragments of the protein. And then it transfers, it absorbs naturally into your circulatory system and anything in your circulatory system can wind up in your breast because breast milk is made out of blood and we don't have any filtration device between those two things unfortunately and so if it's in your blood it can end up in your breast Mm -hmm. and what we see for actual transfer is that once you consume something it's going to spike in concentration a few hours after you ingest it and then steadily plummet from there usually gone within 24 hours if you're regularly removing breast milk and it's unlike Uh, alcohol in that for alcohol, we know that you don't have to pump. Um, Your cellular metabolism is going to remove the um, alcohol from your breast over time, just like it does your blood over time. However, for proteins, it's there is some cellular metabolism, but it's more so that you actually need to remove breast milk in order to remove protein. But mm-hmm. 24 hours is a completely different ball game compared to two weeks, four weeks, six yeah. weeks, eight weeks, you know, depending on who you're asking. You see, um, and on- there's a lot to unpack there as to like why there's so much misinformation. Mm-hmm. You see often on forums and um, parents that are just sharing their firsthand experience from what they've been told by their healthcare professional, and they'll often say things like you need to if you've been exposed to an allergen you need to then like pump and dump um for a certain amount of time whichever it was that they were told at that point um and then people are sharing their stories and then the person who shared the original question is just must kind of be like I've no idea what to even do with this information like you know there's so many different um things so you're so it's 24 hours Yeah, yeah. And the other thing to mention here is that what is fascinating about the fact that we so significantly break these proteins down is that there are no confirmed anaphylactic shock reactions to proteins in the breast milk because we break them down so much. And most of the reactions that infants actually have, but we typically see a smaller reaction than if they were to eat it directly because the direct introduction is the whole form of the protein. And so more often than not, quite frankly, the best option if you've had a slip, depending on the severity of the reactions you've seen through your breast, is to just keep breastfeeding. By the time you even realize that you've had a slip, you've likely already peaked and started clearing Mm -hmm. or peaked and completely cleared because by the time you know you had a slip, more times than not, it's because you see a reaction. And so then for you to be like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, stop breastfeeding now, you're, you're well, that ship is sailed that you're well past that timeline for, um, you know, not breastfeeding. Now, if you um, had, you know, an accidental exposure or an on-purpose exposure, um, you could, you know, plan accordingly, remove breast milk and, and decide on the other side of 24 hours mm-hmm. um, if you wanted to start feeding at that point. But quite frankly, most of the reactions that we see through the breast, it's best to just continue breastfeeding through it. Yeah, I often see that you should feed through it because um, that breastfeeding can actually heal the gut. So you kind of like, 
helping to heal through exposure I don't know I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that like that's just kind of something that I often see come up like you should feed because it helps to heal the gut yeah, absolutely. So um, one, if you breastfeed after you've already had the slip anyway, certainly continuing to breastfeed can um, give those healing properties in order to help baby get to the other side of that reaction. That is absolutely true. Um, and if you like find the slip before you breastfed, um, oftentimes like knowing what the response is, if it's if you're not dealing with very egregious reactions, it can be super impactful for you to know what the reaction looks like now that you know when you've consumed something, when you breastfed something. And a lot of times, quite frankly, we find out, oh, actually baby has outgrown this particular trigger that mm -hmm. wasn't previously an issue because I accidentally consumed it and didn't have an issue. So um, there's, there's still value in that information. Well, that's great. Um, so Trill, we wanted to speak to you next about your food allergy support package that you offer on your website. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our food allergy support package is um, a, an all-encompassing um, education plus personalized consultation plus community in order to help parents navigate this in um, a way that makes them feel supported that's all science-based. And so, uh, for example, in the food allergy support package, we offer three consults that are at a discounted price. So um, the consults are one-on-one -on -one with a food allergy expert who's lived and breathed this problem themselves um, and can help like educate you and talk through a specific plan for your journey, because this is never a cookie cutter situation where you say, everybody's going to do this. Um, and it'll get you to happy, healthy baby, because as you guys have experienced, mm -hmm. every person is reactive to different foods. So each journey looks different. Yeah. Um, so we do that, the one-on-one -on -one personal consultations to navigate elimination, reintroduction, starting solids, all of those pieces. And then the educational modules are uh, my crazy face on video, um, talking through the science. And the fun part about my background is that while I was in grad school, I taught grad I taught undergraduate classes, and so I'm very familiar with taking scientific concepts and translating them into digestible content. Yeah, that is so helpful because sometimes yeah. it can just be so overwhelming, can't it? Like when you get all the techni technical vocabulary and things and trying to like work out what that actually means. <laughs> yeah, it's it's technical, there's jargon, yeah. right? There's, there's so much to unpack there. And so mm. we have them in little bite-sized videos where the family can say, okay, I want to learn what an allergen is or even all the way to like, what are some considerations I need to have if I'm looking for a daycare provider. So all of those things are available to them so that they can watch them over and over however many times they want. They can share them with their family. And then we plug them into um, a family forum where there's other food allergy families who are navigating the same thing. And it's a loving, helpful experience because everybody is up to date on the education. Um, so there isn't the kind of, you know, chasm of misinformation there and they're all very loving and empathetic which is what we really wanted to build as a platform that sounds absolutely amazing yeah i feel like i wish that would been a i found that when i was uh, early in our journey so it's going to help so many people and quite frankly that's um been kind of the litmus for navigating and building this is 
what do I wish I had oh, when yeah. I yeah. was breastfeeding yeah. my daughters? Yeah, so Trill, we want to just help parents because we remember when our little ones were younger and we were doing our breastfeeding journeys and all the different overwhelming information that was out there. So we've got some of the really common myths and we just want to throw them out there and see what the science says about them, if that's okay. Yeah, so, that sounds great. I'm excited. Clarifying, I mean, we covered a bit of this just in the conversation, but just to clarify again for everyone, allergens remain in your breast milk for six weeks. Absolutely not. So the actual <laughs> fat behindness, as we mentioned, um, after you consume a protein, it's going to spike in concentration a few hours after you ingest it and then steadily plummet from there, usually gone within 24 hours, as long as you're regularly removing breast milk from your body. Fantastic. Thank you so much. The next one is, is it okay to eat a meal containing your baby's allergen as long as you pump and dump right after? Yeah, so that's a really good question. And it really is a difficult thing to navigate as far as like cheat meals on purpose mm -hmm. um, in that, okay, if you do pump and dump directly after, are you pumping and dumping for that full 24 hours? Definitely. I also want to put a pin in like, don't dump <laughs> don't <laughs> milk, uh, because that is some hard earned liquid gold and that can either be donated or that you can use if your baby does outgrow their food allergies. So I'll just mention that don't dump. Um, truly successful for many families to do that if they choose to. Um, but I would say that more often than not, families choose not to just for the sake of how much work it is, quite frankly, to, to pump and have to find an alternative feeding method for a full day. Uh, thank you. So next one, total exclusion diets. So TED diets are a fail safe way to identify your baby's allergies. Yeah. Oof. Um, so TEDs or total elimination diets, one, are so incredibly hard and I don't typically recommend them because um, for anyone listening who's not familiar, a total elimination diet is when we're going all the way down to only a handful of foods. Let's say like five foods on repeat every day, all day. Um, and you can imagine there's a lot entailed there, you know, mentally and physically for your own health. And so I typically don't advocate for total elimination diets. The um, other issue is that if you manage to choose one of the baby's triggers in your total elimination diet, things yeah. can get worse really quickly because the concentration of those proteins in your breast are going to spike because you're living off of that food right now. Mm -hmm. um, so for some, it can be successful, um, but I certainly recommend working with a professional through that um, as far as making sure that if you're going to go to a total elimination diet, you're picking the most um, nutrient dense option that's going to make sure that your diet, your health and baby's health is put first. And secondarily that you don't do it any longer than a three day window. So I almost always recommend doing if we absolutely have to do a TED that we're not doing it longer than three days. Yeah, that, that's great advice, actually, because I had a look into doing one with um, my youngest Aurora because I was kind of at the point of, I don't know what is caused, you know, what is going on. I need to strip everything back. And I did, but not to the point of um, a TED diet, but I did join some forums and groups and on nowhere on there did it say three, you know, three days or anywhere near that, you know, these ladies were going long, long time living on such a small amount of food. And I really feel like, um, it, because you are so limited on what you can eat, 
the impact that that has on you mentally. And if things aren't going successfully, then I think it can have a really great impact on your mental health if done for a very long time. Yeah, and not only that, but it can also, <clears throat> so certainly like to to add to what you mentioned on and having a lot of impact on your mental health is that um, quite frankly, if families, if uh, the Black Indian parent has experience with um, disordered eating, this can be a huge trigger for them. Or yeah. if they don't have experience with disordered eating, this could start that particular yeah. process yeah. as well. Yeah. And that's why um, we never want to do any longer than we absolutely have to. If you have a slip up, um, you're back to square one. So you're back to the beginning. Mm, good, good question. Great question. So uh, the answer to that is absolutely not. And unfortunately, that is um, another kind of key misinformation that I see in some groups where they say, yeah, you know, you accidentally had some cow's milk protein and something. And so you have to start these eight weeks all over again, which um, obviously there's two pieces of misinformation there. But um, in no way, shape or form do you, one, is it eight weeks? But two, do you need to start all over if you've had a slip? Because... We don't go by um, only time. We go by baby, right? So we go by baby and symptomology. And so if you have a little slip and a baby was otherwise doing really great and healing, then you're likely to just see a little reaction. Or even if you do see a big reaction, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to take eight weeks for healing to occur. Mm -hmm. And instead, what this does is it perpetuates this idea of um, one, that you know, this is protein is in your breast for this long. Um, and two, that if you have a mistake, that you have to start all over, which is so stressful, right? So then if I accidentally eat something, and I figure out that, you know, I had something in it, it wasn't supposed to, quite frankly, that can lead to additional eating disorder problems, such as purging, right? Like when I was in my first breastfeeding journey, navigating this, and I thought that something in my would end up in my breast for weeks, I went to a restaurant, I, I got steak because beef was a safe for my oldest. And I was like, can you just like wave it over the, the grill? Like, don't even touch anything. Yeah. Um, please, please don't like touch the grill. Please don't yeah. cook it with anything. Just like wave it over top. I'll eat it raw, whatever. Yeah. Um, and they brought it out to me and I got like halfway through this steak and I was like, wait a second this tastes too good mm, yeah. <laughs> um, as you do in like the allergy world you're like wait a minute yeah like, <laughs> uh, this can't be this can't be normal um mm. and so then i asked them and they were like oh yeah we um we cook it in vegetable oil and soy and soy oil was a really big trigger for my oldest and so i was like you know do i go purge at this point yeah. like breastfeeding because I'm going to quote unquote start all over um, yeah. when that's not the case right and so um, we have our little reaction we see the timing of it and then we start healing um, but in no way was it like okay well now I have to continue this for eight more weeks and yeah. what that does really the harm that it may that it does to tell families that you have to start over um, is that it allows for baby and for the parents to be miserable much longer yeah. because it's so yeah. hard to be free from something for yeah. ex for any amount of time. It's hard for you to be free for something for, you know, one meal. Um, this is a hard journey, especially if you're just starting and learning and all of the terms and all the craziness. Um, and so then you just re you're, you're moving the goalpost over and over and over again. Everybody's miserable for now months 
And it's not uncommon for families to find me and then be like, you know, I, I went dairy free. I was told that every time I had a slip, I had to start all over that I had to do it for eight weeks. And so I kept accidentally slipping and kept moving that goalpost. And next thing I know, we're seven months in baby yeah. still has bloody stool. And yeah. we found out later that baby's actually reactive to egg this whole time. Mm. And we were just chasing cow's milk. Mm, yeah there's a lot of different factors that can go into it and it's not always easy as it to navigate and then next one do all allergens transfer to breast milk equally yeah so not only do all allergens transfer to the breast milk but all food all food um, transfers to the breast and the transferability is different based on um, your health and your intake and nursing yeah. schedule and all of those fun things. Um, but all of these things are transferring and the probability as far as like why certain things are more or less likely to elicit a response for infants is because that's what they're more or less likely to react to. Mm -hmm. um, and so infants are most likely to react to cow's milk protein. That's the most common trigger for infants um, and, you know, down the list. But um, anything can transfer and none of them are more special than others. Great. Thank you. Um, the next myth or myth buster question that we've got is um, you can identify your baby's allergies through breast milk challenges alone. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, the, the myth there is that um, not everything that is a pass indirectly, meaning that you're consuming, is going to be a pass directly, meaning baby consumes. And the reason is because we so significantly break these proteins down in our body before we transfer them to our breast. Mm. So even though I may be able to eat cheese every day, all day, and I'm transferring a little portion of this protein, if my baby is not reactive to that portion of the protein that we transfer to our breast, I'm never going to see a response through my mm. breast to her. But if I gave her the cheese directly and she's yeah. reacted to a different portion of that direct protein, we're going to see a reaction. Mm -hmm. So while for some journeys we have to do indirect um, introductions and, and do a reintroduction or a confirmation trial through um, the breast, especially if baby's under six months old, um, what's so important to know is that really the best way to determine if there's an actual trigger is through direct introduction because then you know exactly how much baby got you know what form they got it in what time they got it it's very straightforward versus the magical mystery that is our breast at least until we have a testing ability right to yeah. say like did it get there how much got there did baby eat it all that fun stuff this was a question that I actually wrote to you when I was introducing well Aurora was going to start weaning and I wrote to you and said shall I eat it or shall I give it to her directly? And that's the exact advice that you gave to me. No, give it to her directly. Um, and obviously that was under the guidance as well or our dietitian at the hospital. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, give it to her directly because then like you say, you know exactly what has caused a reaction or not. Um, yeah. You know, because if you have something else new to eat on that day, the same day that you also eat the allergen that you were trying to expose them to, then it kind of just opens up that, oh, now I've got to go through every ingredient yeah. in that new thing that we had. Um, and it just makes it a much more difficult process. So I think that is a really great piece of advice. Thank you, Trill. 
Yeah, what's what's super fascinating too, uh, not to get too much into the the weeds here, um, but what's really fascinating is that these foods that you are consuming are going to impact your gastrointestinal permeability too. So, mm-hmm. for example, let's say um, you are eating eggs each day, and eggs is a trigger for your child, but they haven't reacted to it indirectly through you um, up to this point. And so you decide that you're going to trial back cow's milk protein, but cow's milk protein, especially since you've had it cut for so long, causes you gastrointestinal distress and you more readily transfer the egg now that is the trigger. You believe that you are having an issue with cow's milk protein when in actuality it's the egg that is the problem and you've just more readily transferred it than you typically would. Um, And so we see this often with coffee, especially when parents are like, yeah, coffee causes my baby issues. It's more often that too much coffee causes you issues and you're more readily transferring an actual trigger to your baby through your breast. The next one we had was mucus in poop is a good indicator of an allergy in breastfed babies. Great question. So uh, not all mucus is bad. So not all mucus is created equal. Um, when I'm looking at stool and I look at a lot of stool in my days, um, <laughs> lots and lots of families send me poop pictures. My, I want to say my, my Instagram DMs have got to be like 85% other people's excrements. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for Instagram to message me and ask me if I need like a hug or something. But um, when we're looking at stool, the things that we're looking for as it relates to consistency specifically is um, how old is the baby? So um, the older that baby is, the more likely that we're going to have, you know, baby who is teething and drooling their little face off. And so first, how old is the baby? And then second, what are they consuming? Um, Because that's going to change consistency and whatnot um, and color, depending on if they're exclusively breastfed or if they're combo fed or exclusively formula or they're in solids. And then when I'm looking at the stool as it relates to actual mucus, I'm looking for mostly two things. The first is... Um, how much mucus is in the stool? Is it some mucus? Is it all mucus that's like tinged uh, a poop color? Or is it um, poop that is a little shiny because of mucus? So kind of like our, my ratio, is it more mucus to stool or stool mm-hmm. to, to mucus? And then my second that I'm looking for is, is there any concentrated areas of mucus? Meaning, is there gobs and globs? Does it look like Bigfoot blew his nose into a diaper? Um, And oftentimes what we'll see is that when the baby especially starts to drool really consistently um, or um, has a runny nose or anything like that, all of that extra shenanigans in their upper GI, it has to go somewhere and it will come out of the back end of your human. Um, it doesn't get broken down by the gastrointestinal system. And so what we see on the back end is stool that is shiny or sticky or stringy. Um, and oftentimes that really scares families. And certainly there are uh, groups that aren't helpful here either. Um, and their parents get told they're supposed to be chasing this, you know, peanut butter consistency, seedy, yellow, beautiful stool that smells like popcorn that the heavens shine down upon and the angels sing. Um, But quite frankly, that's just not the stool that most of us get. Um, And so we have an entire, um, for anybody who's listening who wants to see examples, um, freetofeed.com slash diaper has a like whole galleries of stool for you to geek out on and all of the science behind stool and uh, research that's been done there. Um, because quite frankly, how 
stressful that is to mm -hmm. tell a family that like they have to get all the way down to zero mucus when mm -hmm. the baby's teething their little faces yeah. off and mom just keeps yeah. cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting when that's not actually the problem. Mm. I was actually going to say, I love your diaper decipher. Um, it's something that I've referred to many times because I've got an unhealthy amount of pictures of poo on my phone. Um, so it's always nice to see someone else's poo to compare it to. Yes, yes, that's that's the one of the good litmus for a uh, food allergy family is uh, if you have your own album of poop, there's a good chance that you are a food allergy family. Yeah, my absolute favorite is like when I'm teaching and I've got my Apple Watch on and a picture of poo will come on. I'm like, yeah, there we go. There's a questionable poo right there. <laughs> yes, yeah, the, the other the other favorite is when um, so I have a android phone and i think apple does this too where they're like you know check out your memories and it'll yes. be like look at all the yeah. look at all the yummy food you've had in the last month and i'm like oh that's that's yeah. not food and they put it to music and yes yeah a nice slideshow and you're like yeah that was that weird poo that they did last week <laughs> um the next one and the last um statement in our myth buster you should continue to feed your baby even if they are re reacting to something that you have eaten. Yeah, that's a good question and one that gets brought up often. Um, you know, should I continue breastfeeding my baby um, if they're reacting? And so there's there's kind of two paths here to answer the question. The one is um, if you're still trying to navigate and determine what your baby's triggers are, yes, you should definitely continue breastfeeding if that's what you are choosing to do, if you want to continue your breastfeeding journey, because continuing to breastfeed and knowing that there's reactivity through you, you'll be able to determine what the actual triggers are. And that's very powerful for the future of your journey. Um, and it's very helpful because, as you mentioned, there's many components of breast milk that are very important for children um, and their immune system and development. So if you're breastfeeding and you're in the trenches, um, one, you're doing an amazing job. I'm super, super proud of you. Um, and two, you can and absolutely should continue to breastfeed and navigate and, and work with a professional, quite frankly, to determine, okay, these are the things that are listening response in my baby so that you're not having to do it blindly. Um, mm -hmm. And then on the other flip side, that question often gets brought up as far as like, okay, I know my baby is reactive to cow's milk protein and soy, for example, and is it a bad thing if I just keep eating it? And the um, answer to that is that on the infant side of the journey, once we've confirmed a trigger and we say, yep, this is for sure an issue for baby, this is the actual trigger, the downsides to continuing to give it purposely is that one, your baby will continue to have reactions, which nobody is enjoying. Mm -hmm. um, but two, the more often that we continue to give a trigger food to a child, um, the more that is eliciting a response. So a food that is actually eliciting that allergic response, the more we're solidifying that association for the immune system. So if you think about it, you know, the immune system is continuously developing in the first few years of life. And so if I say, I know that when I eat cheese, it causes my baby reactivity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I say, okay, well, I know that, but I'm going to continue to eat cheese here and there and I'll just deal with the reactions, whatever. Um, what we're doing in those moments is we're reintroducing the thing that the immune system sees as a threat back mm -hmm. to the immune system and it can reduce the probability of outgrowing it. 
Um, Now, that being said, they're still highly likely to be outgrown. So those are some things to just keep in mind as you're navigating this journey. And I'm the first to admit that um, I've had my moments of, you know, like weakness and um, denial and eating something that, you know, caused a reaction. And then I have all the guilt in the world. Mm. Um, You're not alone if that's been part of your journey, too. Um, it would be weird if you were perfect in the midst yeah, of all of this. It's human, business. isn't it? So I want to mention that as well. Thank yeah. you. Can I just ask you, um, kind of going back to what you just said there, if you didn't know that your baby was reacting to that protein and you continue to eat it and you're kind of listening to this now, do you have any advice to those parents that might be, I don't know, because that's kind of me. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I was told that, everything I eat couldn't transfer into my breast milk. Um, and so I ate everything and I continued to eat everything. And then um, the first direct exposure resulted in anaphylaxis and then multiple other allergies were discovered. And I kind of was told to just continue going with it all. And yeah, it's scary to think that as a result of that, I don't know, he, I might have made yeah, it. Yeah, so once, once you've found a direct trigger, so um, once you have, you know, gone through this journey, and I also want to mention, I know it's super hard to kind of look back on our journeys mm-hmm. and um, having not been supported through them and know more information now, knowing that we would probably make different decisions, um, just to acknowledge that that sucks um, and yeah. that we we do the best we can with the information we have in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a whole lot of grace that we have to have with ourselves as we're navigating this because it's so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and so once you discover a trigger, like for example, your um, little, you now know, react um, to cashews and you're like, oh my gosh, I've been living off of cashews um, this entire time I've been breastfeeding. And so then the next most common question is, do I need to cut cashews? And the answer to that is if cashews elicit any kind of response through you, yes, you should cut Mm -hmm. cashews from your diet. If you can eat cashews and you never see a response, um, then the other main thing to keep in mind is that you may not see a response today, but mm-hmm. your transferability can change over time depending on your stress, your hydration, um, and your gastrointestinal health, um, you consuming allergens that elicit a response for you. So just things to keep in mind. So if the triggers for baby aren't so aggressive mm-hmm. that um, it's not doable for the lactating parent, then typically we do remove it. Um, for the fact of removing any, you know, smaller symptoms that we may be having very commonly, we'll see that we got an anaphylactic shock reaction to cashews for an example. And when mom consumes it, we get eczema. That's super, super common. And, and so we want to cut it. So, cause we want the skin to heal and we want the eczema to go away. So we want to cut it from mom's diet. Yeah. I love that. And and I really love what you just said. Like hindsight is a wonderful thing. And we just have to remember that everything that we did, at that time was in the very best interest of our baby at that time and so you can't change what's happened and so just to have find peace in that what you were doing was for the best at that time I guess exactly exactly that your your intentions have always been pure and that's mm-hmm. what's important and you that you want the best for your child there's you know the fact that we're 
we've been given misinformation from um, those people who we are told to trust is not our yeah. fault. And so to give yourself all the grace and love that you possibly can um, and to continue to educate yourself so you can continue to help and advocate for your children. Yeah, definitely. So alongside what you offer, Trill, what, el- what other support do you have in place for families that they could access? Yeah, absolutely. So in addition to our food allergy support package, um, we do offer consults without having to get the full package. So you can meet with a food allergy expert um, and understand the next steps of your journey with the resources that you need to um, be successful and to be connected into our community. Um, In addition to that, one of the big feedbacks that we had from these families we've been helping and we've helped quite frankly, thousands, which is both amazing and kind of heartbreaking at the same time, was um, that they truly needed a multivitamin, a postnatal multivitamin Mm -hmm. that was free of all these allergens that we've been trying to remove because it's so common for us to meet with a family and find out that they've cut a billion things from their diet, but it turns Mm -hmm. out that their multivitamin had soy the whole time and that's the baby's trigger. Um, So we've removed a bunch of things from the diet when we didn't need to because we just missed it in a supplement, for example. So we created the free to feed multivitamin. It is a fruit puree pouch, um, one per day that allows you to continue to take your multivitamins um, in a way that's yummy, which is not often um, a word that comes alongside elimination diet, um, in a way that's yummy, but also is going to support your lactating um, journey as well. And then we have um, kind of, you know, a la carte education that you can snack to if you're like, hey, we're about to start solids. And I specifically want more education on how to start solids for a baby with food allergies, because it looks different, quite frankly. Um, we're probably not going to go running to eat, you know, feed our baby table scraps. Um, <clears throat> and just anything that we're eating, if we know that they have uh, food allergy triggers. So um, we have a full course on that. We have a full course on FPIs for anybody who mm-hmm. suspects or gets a diagnosis for FPIs and is really overwhelmed by all the information. We have a full course about that that you can snag. We also have a free to feed cookbook that is um, free of the top infant allergens, got like 50 plus recipes. So we're really trying to listen to the families and give them those things that they can, they can use to empower their next steps of their journey. So certainly check out the website and the blog um, for more. And I'm always open to uh, feedback and, um, oh, and we, we have an app. Um, we have an app on the app stores on the ios and and play um that is a tracker to allow parents to track um, maternal intake infant intake and infant symptomology with pictures in order to look at your history and determine and help you pinpoint what things are eliciting a response or even just to track when your last trials were or what your passes and fails are and um, mm. be able to share that with your family and export it for your medical providers. So That's amazing. we have lots of different things that are available for families and we're constantly working on getting feedback on what else would be impactful for helping them through next steps. Oh, Trill, that's incredible. There's so much that I... Trill, you've already covered so, so much. So I don't even know what more you could possibly add but we always finish each episode by offering a piece of advice to an allergy parent whether it's someone just starting out on their allergy journey or someone who's just muddling through different stages and we'd love to hear um, a piece of advice from you that you've already offered so much 
Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. So um, for any families who are just starting or have been in the trenches for a while, um, my main uh, piece of advice or, or comment that I would make is that you're truly doing an amazing job wherever you are in your journey right now, you're doing incredible. I'm so very proud of all of the hard work that you have done and my bra's off to you. So um, <laughs> just to know that um, I know exactly how, how stressful this is and yeah. it's very likely that you've never been told who your listeners that have not been told how incredible they are and mm -hmm. how hard they are working to advocate for their child. So I would definitely wanna be that person that says oh. that. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Trill. That's Thank you both for having me. It's been an honor. Oh, you have been such an inspirational guest to have on, and you are making such huge waves. Well, in yeah, the future of allergy, I suppose. Um, so we are just completely honored to have had you on um this evening. And I would just like to add that if anybody would like to find out any more information, you can go to free to feed.com. Or if you are on Instagram, you can find Dr. Trail at free.2.feed. On Instagram, you can watch the scientists yeah. try to dance to booby facts. It's a good time. <laughs> You're great at your uh, reels. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, your reels are the best. <laughs> Thank you so much. They are uh, entertaining for the whole family to watch me try to do. <laughs> oh, well, I bet they are. I bet they all want to get involved as well, don't they? Oh, yes. Yep, they um, thoroughly enjoy it, and we're going to try to bring back, we had a feature for a while that was called Substitute Sunday, where the Littles um, cooked for families and gave them oh. allergen-free um, recipe ideas, and so we're going to start bringing that back, too. We're really excited. Yeah, definitely. That sounds amazing. Thank you so much, Dr. Trill, for joining us this evening. Thank you both.